Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be covering Catholic prayers that everyone should know. Right. Now, we're sure you know the Our Father and the Hail Mary, but there are so many other amazing prayers, and we're going to share them with you today. If the teachings of the church say that prayer is a vital necessity, we're going to give you the prayers that are a vital part of being Catholic. guys good to join you back again for another episode this is obviously one that uh, we'll all be contributing towards and there's definitely some prayers in here hopefully that uh, people can uh, recognize and if not uh, maybe enrich their lives by praying in the future absolutely the the central part of being a follower of christ is a, a good and healthy prayer life so i'm really looking for, forward to hearing what your prayer lives are, Ryan and Ryan, and I'm looking forward to sharing my own prayer life because there's many private revelations and devotions associated with prayer, but then there's also the public forms of prayer, like the celebration of mass and, and the liturgy of the hours. But we're gonna give you some unique prayers as well that are very associated with a good and healthy prayer life. Yeah, now, like I said before, you probably all know the Our Father and the Hail Mary. And there's also something to be really be said about prayer that's unplanned, unscripted, really, that is just an opening up of your heart to, to the, the Blessed Trinity. But then there's also other prayers that are tested and true throughout the history of the church that have led to great devotion, great contemplation of the mystery of the divine that we want to cover that maybe you might not have heard of or that you haven't prayed in a long time and don't remember since grade school. So we want to share those with you today so that you know, we can we can really tap into the deep deposit of the Catholic prayer life. Now, before we do that, though, Father Rich, why don't you let everyone know how they can tap into us and get more of our content? <laughs> What's tested and true, my friend, is our subscriber base. We have the best followers of our show in the world. I mean, some strong, strong people who are really searching. You know, we have agnostics, atheists, people of different faiths, and of course, our Catholic brothers and sisters that want to learn more about the Catholic faith. And by far, we have the best community conversations going on on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you go to our website, www.catholictalkshow.com, in all of the show notes, there's some great conversations and great contributions coming from viewers from all over the world. We're syndicated through Catholic TV and syndicated through different radio transmissions around the world. And I can't believe how quickly the talk show has developed a really interesting community. If you aren't a part of our community, make sure that you're subscribing on all of our platforms. If you're on YouTube right now, click the subscribe button, hit the little bell. Every time we produce a video, it will populate in your feed so you won't miss any of our content. Now, this content would not be available without our patrons. If you want to be a financial supporter of the show and ensure our growth as we continue to reach new markets around the world, go to patreon.com forward slash Catholic Talk Show. There you'll see every way you could support us. And we have some cool stuff, some cool memorabilia to send your way as well. All right. Thanks for sharing that. Now, Father Rich, what is prayer? I mean, we're going to tell everyone there's prayers they should know. Why should they even pray? Well, how, why it, it, is it so important? It is so important. And I think I'd really like to really reference what I mentioned at the opening of the show. And it's Catechetical Reference 2744. So if you want to check out your catechism, go to 2744 Catechetical Reference that expresses this. 
Prayer is a vital necessity. Proof from the contrary is no less convincing. If we do not allow the spirit to lead us, we fall back into the slavery of sin. Isn't that the truth? Don't we experience that firsthand? Yeah. How can the Holy Spirit be our life if our heart is far from him? So prayer is that catalyst, that catalyst to enjoin our hearts to the Holy Spirit. Quote, nothing is equal to prayer for what is impossible, it makes possible. What is difficult makes easy for it is impossible, utterly impossible for the man who prays eagerly and invokes God ceaselessly ever to sin. Those who pray are certainly saved. Those who do not pray are certainly damned. These two quotes come from St. Alphonsus Liguori and St. John Chrysostom. Again, reference 2744. I remember back in when I was studying in Rome, I visited with a spiritual director and I went to confession. And he asked me, he said, you know, when did you feel, you know, completely free? What were you doing when you felt completely free of these sins that you've committed? And I thought back and, and it was when I was reading scriptures at least 30 minutes a day, praying with the scriptures. That's what I shared with him. I'm like, and he's like, well, do that, <laughs> you know? And, and it was just a, a great way to say, let me pray the scriptures. And first and foremost, the prayer of the church, the liturgy of the hours is expressed in the breviary from the Latin brevis, which means to briefly pray the Psalms throughout the day. That gives you contact with scripture and allowing scripture to inform your prayer, which is one of the most important fundamental elements to a good and healthy prayer life. So we have to begin with scripture and jumping off of our scriptural content, as well as knowing that prayer is a vital necessity to life. Sheil, where should we go first in some of the devotional aspects of the prayer life of Catholics? Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because really the liturgy of the hours, that is the prayer of the church. Uh, I've heard it uh, argued that the liturgy of the hour is, is more important to the church than the rosary. And I think that's really, um, you know, it sounds like a pretty bold statement, but when you consider it, it's true. It is the entire church praying together consistently for the church, by the church, by the church. And it's a, an incredibly unifying thing. And I know that both of you two guys are very much into the liturgy of the hours. Whenever we're together, I love praying the liturgy of the hours with you. Father Rich, explain what that is. Explain how that works and um, how people can learn about that. So, so I'm definitely bound to it, right? Because I, yeah. I, I promised that I would pray the liturgy of the hours for the people and with the people. So we've just, you know, recently, uh, prior to COVID, we started praying the Liturgy of the Hours through Christian prayer. Christian prayer, the Christian prayer book is a great way to start. There's two different ways. There's a Christian prayer book, one volume, one book that guides you through the whole liturgical year, the whole liturgical calendar. And you have feast days and memorials, solemnities, and it's just a way for you to stop five times throughout your day. You start with your invitatory prayer and office of readings. Then you go to your morning prayer that you pray in the morning, like, you know, maybe hours. So you wake up at seven or six 30 in the morning, pray your office of readings and your invitatory. Then let's say nine o'clock, you pray your morning prayer. Then at noon, pray midday prayer. Then in the afternoon, leaning toward the evening, toward sunset, 
evening prayer, and then night prayer. And stopping five times throughout the day is a great way to include the prayers of the church. As Ryan Shield was saying, you're praying this transcendently, you know, and, and you're praying in collaboration and universality with all of the church. You're praying it with the Pope. This is why it is most sublime. And you're praying it intergenerationally with the saints and the priests and the religious and the faithful laity that have prayed this form of prayer throughout the history of the world. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably the simplest way is get a hold of a Christian prayer book or download iBrevery in the app store. Mm-hmm. Downloading iBrevery or the Laudate app, you have all of the Liturgy of the Hours, including, I might say, our sponsor, Hallow. Hallow is the number one Catholic app store the app in the in the app store today. And they also have the Liturgy of the Hours on their app. Isn't that right, Ryan Delacross? Yeah. Yeah, you can pray the liturgy with them every day. It's a beautiful uh, tool. Uh, they also have uh, the scriptures every day, too. I, one thing I do want to say about the liturgy of the hours, of going back to my seminary days, I uh, back when Nokia phones were out, I used to take a little blurb from the Office of Readings. And it might have been something from the Psalms for that day or some of the scripture that was presented there. And I used to text out a little bit to hundreds of people, and then it began to be thousands of people. And all the people that like texted me back, it hit them at the right time. It was like, yes, it was, it was like, like God has for us in the liturgy hours. Uh, 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 there's a method of all these prayers in the liturgical seasons in the way that God speaks to us through our daily liturgy, through our daily mass. He speaks the same way through the liturgy of the hours. He's, he has the same things for us that meet us where we are during that day. And so that was just a, a validation that the liturgy, it was a very powerful prayer for me very early on in my faith journey. I you know, loved, what was that? Text me the text word. Text me the word, yeah. Bro, that was so awesome. I remember when you came out with that, I was all over it. And I I will totally testify. There were so many times when I got that little blurb from Delacrosse, where it was like, hit me right when I need it. And that's what the word does. It I've been talking with Delacrosse that, that he needs... I've been talking with Delacrosse, and uh, if you're interested in this, I've been trying to convince him to restart that because texting is way more relevant now than it has ever been again, which, you know, all things old or new. So, you know, I've been encouraging him to restart text me the word. If you're interested, make sure you say that you'd be interested so we know that it's worth doing. But, you know, looking back at the liturgy of the hours, right, your complines and your vespers and, you know, sex and all that, right? I think it's one thing that Muslims honestly do better than us, right? And their their calls to prayer from their minarets, no matter, you know, it's at the same times every day, they all stop and they all pray. Imagine how powerful the church would be if we were all Amen. doing that. Amen. Um, you know, at noon and at three and at six, we all stop. Every Catholic around the world and prays together Amen. as a massive spiritual army. That's why the liturgy of the hours is so important. So, um, to, so for all these prayers you mentioned today, go to catholictalkshow.com. And go to this episode's page. We'll have links on how to pray them, where to get assets for. But Liturgy of the Hours, number one, the fundamental prayer of the church. We all need to be saying it in one way or another. Every priest is obligated to. Um, I know that all the religious sisters and the nuns pray it. And we, the laity, should be joining that as well. Yes. And you don't have to start out eight times a day. You could just pray evening prayer with your wife or a friend uh, if it's that time of the day. So don't feel like you have to jump in full, you know, with. Yeah, both. so 
Even yeah, if you start six. with morning prayer and evening prayer, like, right. and, and that's what I've been expressing to my parishioners. We're, we're starting to develop culture at our parish. We're a brand new parish. We're not even one years old, but exactly how you were describing, Sheil, the culture of our responsibility in prayer and what I need to uphold by way of the promises that I've made to the bishop is I've got to be praying this with my parishioners. That's yep. ultimately the highest goal. And, right. and, you know, to be able to have structured in five to eight times in the day, you know, the prayerful recitation of the liturgy of the hours, that's the fullness of, of you know, like monastic life lived out in the secularity of the world. We yeah. need that transmission. And I, I would agree with you. Our Muslim brothers and sisters do that so much better. They stop to pray. And we have the we have the structure. We have the organization. It's already done for us. We just have to put it into practice and let nothing hold you back from developing that form of prayer life because it is the most sublime. That's right. Now, I think the second one that I wanted to mention, I think this is really important, is one that if you're a Catholic and practicing, you probably pray at least weekly. But how many of us pray it intentionally on our own or daily? And that is the fundamental creed of our faith, the Nicene Creed, right? Why do we pray? Who are we praying to? What do we hope to accomplish by prayer? It's all right there. Everything that you should and must believe to be a Christian is in this prayer. Mm -hmm. um, it is the result of the great ecumenical council of Nicaea it, and Constantinople, if you're putting them. It's the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed. But Everything you need to know about being a Christian is in that prayer. And, you know, we say it at Mass, but you're like, you know, you're not paying attention. But what do you believe? What do you actually believe? Do you believe it's God from God, light from light? Do you believe, you know, that the Holy Spirit is the giver of life? Do you believe that there's one holy Catholic apostolic church. Do you believe all this stuff? You believe Why? in the forgiveness of sins. You know, right. I, I completely agree. And how often is it the case, Delacrosse, where you're sitting in the congregation as, as one of the laity where, you know, the priest announces, you know, credo in unum deum, I believe in God. And then everybody kind of wrote in a mechanical order begins to kind of mimic one another. But are we actually really meditating on the words of our creed and what we believe? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh it's a, it's a statement of your faith, but, but it's also something to consider and ponder through prayer, you know? Um, and, and they all, they're all very simple statements, but they have a lot of meaning in our lives. And I think when we renew our baptismal vows, even during Easter or some other liturgical yeah. times during the year, we make that profess, we profess that statement again. So it, it is a vital part of our faith. It is a, um, it is literally what we believe and, and being able to ponder those things and how we believe them and how we're incorporating them into our journey. Our faith journey is a very important thing to consider from time to time. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, another one that's like it, and I won't count this as a separate one, is the Apostles' Creed, right? The Apostles' Creed, you know, you say it in your rosary. Mm -hmm. um, traditionally, it was divided into 12 statements where each apostle gave one of those statements, and it is maybe the, the, the predecessor of the Nicene Creed. Uh, it's such a beautiful prayer, and again, it's a way that can, it's a simple prayer that completely encapsulates the faith of a Catholic. So saying those devoutly with, um, you know, with intention, 
and reaffirming, hey, I do believe this. I'm not just saying it because everyone else is saying it. And I'm like, wait, what part are we at? Say it with conviction. You know, you'll be surprised what that will do when you're professing your belief. You're professing, yes, I believe this. It's, it makes a difference to, you know, imagine being in a marriage and never saying I love you to your spouse. You know, they might know that you love them. You might know that you love them. But it's different when you openly say, I love you to your spouse. And it's the same thing with professing your creed. You may believe this stuff, but do you ponder it? Do you express it? And with the Nicene and the uh, Apostolic Creeds, it allows you to get it out and really ponder your expression of that. I was just in a, I was just in a marriage counseling setting and I was just with, you know, a, a gentleman who, you know, both parties are struggling. So I had them separate and... Um, you know, he, he began to list off the things that he's critical of his wife and, and, you know, just kind of sketching those out. And then I started to direct his thoughtfulness about, you know, what are the things that you, that you love that you, that, that are the greatest qualities and the virtues and, and why God sent her into your life. <laughs> you know, why did God send you? And we start listing those out, listing those out. And then at the end of this like exercise for about an hour, I said, can you take all of the things in blue and be able to send those to your wife concentrated without any of the things in orange. <laughs> and he's like, I don't, I don't like doing what people tell me to do, <laughs> but he took a picture of it and he wound up sending it to his wife like the next day. But you know, it's, it's so important to, to profess what you believe it, it roots us in, in God without a doubt. And it drives away all of the other lives and beliefs that can enter into our mind to, to bring about certain darkness or unclarity of, of, you know, where we're going or where we're not going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So another one that I think really important is, well, one of my favorites is the, um, the memorare, right? Mm -hmm. It is such a confident, beautiful prayer. And the memorare is, remember, O most gracious uh, Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, employed thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. I, I love, love that, that prayer. prayer. Me too. The memorare, just remember, mm -hmm. you're asking the mother of God to remember you. That is so sweet and powerful and confident and masculine and feminine all at once. It's, it is a beautiful expression of prayer that is so trusting to our mother, so mm -hmm. confident in our faith, so vulnerable in our weakness, it really is one of my most favorite prayers. Whenever I'm struggling, feeling anxiety, feeling darkness, the memorare is kind of like my go-to prayer. And it's endearing, too, also to her. Um, I think, you know, we do have a gracious mother. I think all of us can attribute a lot of our, uh, our faith and the fruits of our Christian vocations to Our Lady um, because she wants to actively participate with us in, in what we do. And this prayer just kind of encapsulates, encapsulates all of that to a simple prayer and, and, and having a petition for her and reciting that prayer just kind of reminds you of the ascent that you're making to our blessed mother. 
you know, and uh, and she she works directly with her son. That's for sure. I've been to that. She's the queen of heaven. (laughs) Communion with Mary is communion with Christ. And and it's just, you know, it's interesting that in the first erected shrine in the United States of America at Mission Nombre de Dios in St. Augustine, the shrine of Our Lady of La Leche, that petition of the memorare, the prayer, is right there in the sanctuary next to the statue of Our Lady, next to the altar. And it comes and is drawn up from one of the most ancient invocations to Mary, you know, in the practice of the Catholic Church. So whenever you pray the memorare, you're you're tied to that ancient invocation to turn to the to Our Lady as a intercessor, as a catalyst for greater communion with Christ, as she grasps a hold of your hand and draws you to her heart, where she loves Christ most perfectly as the model of humanity, as the model of the bride, you know, as the model of great and affectionate love. How about another one? A couple of weeks ago or a little time ago after Pentecost, what did we celebrate? We celebrated the memorial of the Blessed Virgin Mary, mother of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is like, this is, and, and in those readings, uh, we hear Jesus from the c- cross giving, you know, John to Mary and Mary Amen. to the church. Amen. You know? I mean, this this was his dying sort of proclamation of, of you know, the church. Yeah. Right. He and established it as one of his last establishments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if Jesus had brothers and sisters, he wouldn't have done that. That's one of my favorite things when, uh, you know, Protestants say, well, Mary wasn't a virgin. She had other children. If she had other children and James, the brother of Jesus, you know, the Adelphoi of Jesus was actually his brother, brother. Jesus on the cross wouldn't be like, oh, no, my mom, I should give him give my mom's protection to John instead of one of his own brothers. Right. So I love that point. Another one like the Memorare, uh, we won't go through it, but is the Subtum Predisium. It's the oldest known prayer to our lady it's to under to thy protection i fly mm-hmm. uh we fly definitely check protection it. yeah mm-hmm. uh oldest known prayer to mary um you know marian prayer is a stumbling block for a lot of protestants but when you have the confidence to know that mary is the mother of our lord jesus christ god kind of you know a common sense thing saying hey look you know i've got an inside play with god like it's his own mom maybe talking to her might be a little bit of a way to get some you know extra help in prayer so yeah and it's an intercession right i mean you're invoking you're invoking her to pray for us to take our petitions to her son our lord that's right you know i mean that's a lot of things get mixed up about that too as well we worship and pray to mary the reality is, is that in all of these prayers, we're invoking her as an intercessor to pray for us, to hear our petitions and to take them to Christ. Yeah. If you're ever going to the hospital and you ask your friend to pray for you, it's no different, you know, than asking Mary to pray for you. Um, and, you know, Mary being without sin and, a, you know, giving birth to the savior of humanity, probably better than Pete, who's, you know, your friend from the bar who's going to pray for you, right? So I don't know. Maybe I'm just a crazy papist, but that's my thought. <laughs> well, maybe Pete will go to Mary too as well. You never know. <laughs> you never, look, you, can, you can't get enough prayer. <laughs> um, Father Rich, another one, and I'm sure that you have experience with this. 
that everyone should know, but probably doesn't know as well as they should. And it's indicative of their spiritual life. And that is the act of contrition. Oh my goodness. How many times do you have, you know, have, you're hearing confession and you're like, now say you're acting contrition. They're like, I don't know what that is, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's, there's so many, there's so many different uh, forms of the act of contrition because they've been administered pastorally throughout every generation yeah. by different priests just to elicit. So th- it's important to realize that the act of contrition is a movement of thoughtful contemplation. Like Delacross was saying before, you know, how important is it that we would like pray with the Nicene Creed or the Apostles Creed as, as Sheila was saying, like, and really contemplate and meditate to really think deeply and develop contrition in our hearts that we would repent from our sins, identify them, repent and have contrition and a sense of sorrow that I feel bad that I've done this, not only to the, to the brother or sister or husband or wife or kid that we offended, but that ultimately it offends most egregiously our God who has created us, who has called us into communion with one another. Now, the traditional form of the prayer, the one that's probably the most standard, is, oh, my God, I am heartily sorry for having offended thee, and I detest all of my sins because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell. But most of all, because they offend thee, my God, who are all good and deserving of all my love. I firmly resolve with the help of thy grace to confess my sins, to do penance, and to amend my life. No, that's that's absolutely a great point. And, you know, there's so many different additions to the end of it before it at times, like I'll coach people through it. I do have a prayer on the other side of my confessional for people to pray it. But ultimately, you know, there's times where I express, you know, just repeat after me, Mm -hmm. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Have mercy on me, Mm -hmm. you know, and even even those forms of acts of contrition are, are so valid in the sacrament of reconciliation, but we need to develop that prayer in our daily examine, you know, to utilize the act of contrition daily. Not only are you going to memorize it, you're going to interiorize it. Like you're, it's going to interiorly dispose you to God, constantly petitioning for mercy. We were joking before, (laughs) before the show began and how much of, uh, you know, my, my conversation and my prayer life to Jesus, like, Jesus, I'm sorry. You know, like I messed, I messed up. And, and it's, and it's true. Like we're ever going to be sinner before our savior. And it's developing that interior disposition of recognition, contrition, petition, and receiving absolution in God's mercy. So that can continue to, you know, draw us into the mystery of communion with one another and with God. So that, that transformation may be seen in who we are and who we have contact with. You know when somebody is disposed in the spirit of God, like you you can see that visible in their eyes and the way they behave and the way they love. I was just scrolling through Instagram the other day and there's a, a venerable servant of God and I had to stop because of just the disposition of her soul, like just looking at her eyes. I'm like, who is that? And it was this elderly Filipino woman. And, and you know, she was distributing Holy Communion. I mean, like you could just see the disposition of her communion with God. And and like, it's just, it's, it's, it's made visible without you a know, doubt. The biggest impediment to the growth of spiritual life and to being a better person, being a better Christian, is to deny that you're a sinner. Right. Denying that is the biggest impediment. Um, I'd say the second biggest impediment is dwelling on the fact that you're a sinner. Right. So it's a really weird interplay that your your relationship to sin in 
diametrically opposed ways are the biggest impediment to your development. If you can't admit that you're a sinner, how can you grow? How can you get better? How can you get closer to Christ? How can you die to yourself? How can you become more like him? And the act of contrition is not just for in the confessional. You could say it every day. You'd say multiple times a day, right? Probably should knowing people like us, right? So, and then it, like, what do you mean by, what do you mean by dwelling? Cause I, that, that is a phenomenal point. Dwelling. Well, dwelling like, well, I'm such a sinner. Look, I, every time I go to church, then the day after I go and sin and then I'm just, you know, in mortal sin again. So I'm not going back to church because it's a waste. I'm a terrible person. And then you just kind of like, you know, a pig in mud, you just get used to living like that and you lose the, you get spiritual sloth, right? You don't want to improve yourself because you just resigned to the fact that you're a sinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God kind of knows that. So and that's, that's so Dela, important. I've learned that from Della Cross so much. That's Della Cross harps on that, like, you know, all the time. And he's yeah, so right well, about that. I had a priest tell me one time and he's, uh, I'm like, I've been saying the same thing in the confessional for the last year. There's two or three things. And, and he goes, that's even more of a reason for you to go. Like, he's like, what are you talking about? Like, you're going, you're going because you don't like it that you do it. Okay. That's called contrition. That's a valid, you know, part of the form of receiving the mystery of God's forgiveness. And another thing too, that's really important about receiving forgiveness and being open to it. it the, our father is states the most beautiful thing is forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And so you, you have to, if you cannot practice forgiveness in your life, you have somebody, everybody listening to this show has somebody they can forgive right now, mm-hmm. period. Don't even try to tell me otherwise. I'll Amen. smack you in your face. Then you'll hate me. All right. <laughs> Listen, then you got to forgive me. Then you got to <laughs> forgive me. All right. So No, like, I mean, that's the biggest thing that I think people get caught up in is like when you practice forgiveness, you will forgive yourself and yes. you will be more available to the mercy of God because yes. you will see other people in their sinful states by forgiving them mm-hmm. as a child of God, right? Mm-hmm. Even the ones you hate the most, right? So I think this whole idea of this particular prayer and, and, and thinking about that, we also have to think about where are we in forgiveness in our lives to be able to receive that. That's something that Jesus himself said. And that brings us to another phenomenal private revelation devotion, like the rosary, but the Divine Mercy Chaplet. If you mm-hmm. have not prayed the Divine Mercy Chaplet, revealed by St. Faustina Kowalska, the Secretary of Jesus's Mercy, 20th century mystic, pick up her diary today, pick up a rosary and pray the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, because it's going to culture that mercy by the petition for the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. Praying that in the form of what you pray the Hail Marys with in the 10 beads, again, it just gives you that sense of petitioning for the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. It it begins to emerge in that disposition of mercy that's merciful towards self, merciful toward others, people who sin to us. It's our only hope, my brothers and sisters. We're going to pick up traction and start living the kingdom of God here on earth. We need devotions and prayers, just like the chaplet of divine mercy that could really fulfill what the Our Father is insinuating in, in, in that forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. Absolutely. Now, we've done, we've done a whole episode on the divine mercy. So if you want to learn more about that, 
there'll, there'll be a link and you can search our channel for Catholic Talks of Divine Mercy. But I mean, what a simple, beautiful prayer, but how powerful, Truly. you know, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us in the whole world. I mean, what more is there? Look, what, I mean, could you sum up the faith in a better way? Our Lord Jesus Christ suffered, died, and was resurrected. And for that sake, have mercy on all of us. D dude, I used, to, I used to work at a cemetery. I don't Do you guys know that I've worked at a cemetery for a while? Uh, yes, you've told me 800 missing. times, <laughs> grave digger. So I used to take I used to take the weed whacker and I would go around the headstones of each person and I would say, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on Jimmy and on the whole world. You know, like and I would go around and I would go around to like the families of all these people and I would I would say that as I was weed whacking all of the uh, tombstones. <laughs> Patron saint of weed whacking and handkerchiefs, Father Richard Pagano. What are you going to you do? You are going to be the, you're going to have the weirdest prayer cards when you become a saint. <laughs> <laughs> a picture of me and clerics with a weed whacker. Yeah. Someone's going to like it. hand it to you and, you, and the kid's going to be like, oh, thanks. And this is great. I'm just put this right with my stuff. Like what? St. Yeah, Richard Pagano, handkerchiefs and weed whacking. Oh my goodness gracious. Awesome. What you're doing there though, it's a beautiful reflection of how we make sacrifices in our lives like Jesus made. And yours is simple. You make sacrifices to invoke the, the greatest sacrifice, the sacrifice that, that is still, Amen. you know, uh, flooding the earth with Amen. grace, you know, yes. and covering everybody, even the most dreadful, evil ridden person in this world. It says in scripture that God's mercy or God's uh, patience with people is directed towards their salvation. So if God can be patient with others, we need to be able to learn that patience because it should be directed to their salvation and not our redemption or recourse, you know, that we think we deserve. And like you said, you know, like that is being poured out upon the earth, like right yeah. now in the Paschal mystery of what's happening at the altar of the celebration of the Eucharist each and every day, each and every hour around the world in every nation, this holy sacrifice is being offered. And the, the other prayer to the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. Again, calling on that mercy of God that's being poured out upon us and, and I love what you just said, Delacrosse. That's exactly it, man. I mean, it's, it's being provided for us right now. Right now. Yeah. You know, another prayer that, that goes towards mercy, and this is more of an Eastern prayer, um, and it's the oh, breath prayer, the Jesus yes. prayer. And, man, we have so much to learn from, you know, the Eastern churches about prayer that we probably don't get, you know, in this, you know, our Western prayer life. You know, yeah. like the prayer of the publican, which is amazing. There's you know, the, the prayers to the angels and saints. I mean, they have so many beautiful prayers, um, but the breath prayer, and it's mm -hmm. maybe the most simple prayer and probably the one I pray the most. I have the chalky and everything, but it's just, as you breathe in, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God. And as you breathe out, have mercy on me. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to, and I've talked about this on the show so many times, but it goes back to that call to pray endlessly and without ceasing. So that even the function, the most essential function of your body becomes prayer. So when you're driving, when you're on a plane, when you're walking, when you're just sitting in quiet with just you and your breath, that calls to mind that Ruah of the Holy Spirit, that thing that gives animation 
to the body that was breathed into our nostrils. We're offering that gift of life right back and asking for mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's so beautiful, so mm-hmm. simple. Every Catholic, every Orthodox, every person in the world should pray it. There was a brother that that I grew up with from the time that, you know, we I first met Chris, like, my goodness, um, probably like in fourth grade or fifth grade. And we were pretty close friends all the way up. And we kind of stopped hanging out in, in high school, but then got back together right after high school. And he's kind of agnostic uh, tendencies or whatever. And he had an abortion with his girlfriend and and um, he, he was talking about it. and that right at that point, like my whole reversion happened and, you know, he was kind of desperate. And I just said, you know, besides like going to confession, obviously, I said, pray, pray this prayer, the breath prayer. And I taught him it, you know, Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me. And he he would pray. I just said, keep on praying it all day. And it was only it was his only consolation, as you could imagine, in the experience of all that darkness that was surrounding his conscience, you know, of that of that, you know, horrible sin. Like, you know, Jesus is consoler to sinner. He is healer. And and he comes into our midst to draw us from the pits of our sorrow and our own despair, which is a product of our sinfulness and of bloodshed. And, and the fact that we have that in our midst in forms of prayer, just like the breath prayer, and it's effective. Like he came back to me, he's like, Richie, this works, man. Like this, this works, you know? And, and he was experiencing firsthand. And I forget what book I was reading, how I learned it, but I was telling everybody about it. I'm like, dude, you got to pray this right. Cause I was experiencing it my, myself, you know, like mm-hmm. powerful, powerful stuff. But I agree. Like that is a very important prayer to, you know, all Christian denominations, you know, and, and how that has come out of the East, you know, and, and how we celebrate that in the West is, is a, is a blessing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, um, again, like our sponsor, Hallow, but I, I use Hallow and, uh, you know, you can go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash Hallow, you get a free trial there. But in the beginning of all the Lexio Divina, which is my favorite prayer in that app, it, it tells you to take deep breaths and, and, and soak yourself in the presence of God, like get rid of, you know, think. And so like that deep prayer, I'm, I'm going to start incorporating the Jesus prayer in there because it kind of sets my mind and heart and, and uh, develops the, the breathing into something that's prayer and invokes God's presence. So um, I think that's a really good yeah. uh, thing to add to that. You know, yeah, and if you suffer from anxiety, panic oh. attacks, man, I'm telling you that thing is that thing. Uh, that prayer has come to my aid more than I care to admit. And uh, really just it, again, it's a way to constantly be praying fundamentally, acknowledging the Trinity and asking for mercy just continuously. Amen. Um, Two more that I want to get to, two more prayers that every Catholic should know. One of them is the prayer to St. Michael, the Mm -hmm. archangel. So we've talked a lot, a lot of different prayers in here, and we selected these prayers to kind of cover a lot of the things that people need out of a prayer life. They need contrition. They need mercy. They need some spiritual protection, right? They need some structure. This one is really about protection. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. 
May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. What an amazing prayer that acknowledges that what we acknowledge in the creeds of all that is visible and invisible. We have our problems in our day-to-day life. We don't have enough money for the bills. So-and-so is mean to me. I'm sick, I have a disease, whatever. And those are acknowledging the visible aspects of what our petitions, what our lives of prayer are about. This prayer speaks to that invisible world that we profess in the creed and the spiritual battle going on there and our need for the protection by the prince of the heavenly host, the great St. Michael, to kick the ass of the devil. And we could use it because we can't do that ourselves. If we could you know, it'd be a different story. Right. You're invoking the victory of God. That's, that's what you're doing. And and the victory of God and, and humbly imploring St. Michael, the archangel to defend you. um, That's just, I mean, that's about as uh, militant as you can get in a prayer. (laughs) You know, And, and the fact that wickedness is, is around us, you know? Yeah. And that there's a battle being waged, like calling to mind, like that there are spiritual invisible realities that are encircling us and affecting us spiritually. Even like, even like that, the last conversation we had father and you were like, Ryan, do you see this? Do you see that? And I didn't see it, you know, to have somebody tell me like, this is, you know, there, there's some level of evil in something. And you know, you have to be able to recognize that. And I think that prayer invokes other people too to also be the carrier of that news, you know, in some cases. Yes, it really does. And I remember working with the kids and, and you know, the St. Michael prayer traditionally was was prayed after mass uh, for, for a long, long time. And, yeah. um, you know, I start when I was a chaplain at St. Joseph Academy, which is one of the oldest Catholic high schools, a big shout out to St. Joe's in the country, 1888, it was founded by the sisters of St. Joseph. But, but, um, you know, with the football team, I came in, I would celebrate mass with them every single Friday before their game. And I would preach to them, I'd rally them and, and we would pray the St. Michael prayer. And I gave them prayer cards of St. Michael. It's like we dedicated our whole season to St. Michael. And, you know, they would wear them like within their, within their, uh, you know, their gear mm-hmm. and they had St. Michael with, with them in every type of, uh, type of game, which I just remember so fondly. And to realize that, you know, starting out pastorally, these kids are, you know, football is their whole life, but as that's going to transmit into their fears, into their, into their battles of life, Hopefully, you know, Saint, the idea of pastorally is that St. Michael is going to be with these boys as they go off to the military, as they go off to work, as they go off to, you know, marriage and having families and children, as, you know, as they encounter these invisible realities of their of their life. Yeah. St. Michael prayer is excellent. I'm so Absolutely. glad we brought that one up. And again, remember, we're going to have a link to all these prayers. If you don't know how to say them or if maybe you're out of practice, we'll have a link so you can read all these prayers and make sure that you're starting to incorporate them into your life. Now, a couple other prayers. I mean, we can talk for hours and hours about prayer. Um, you know, that, you know, the anima Christi oh. is absolutely amazing. The, the, your guardian angel prayer, you should know it. You should know the um, morning offering. You should know your prayer before meals and also the prayer after meals, which no one, everyone knows the prayer before meals. They, 
everyone's all thankful before you eat, but after you eat, you're, you're skipping out for a nap. Uh, um, so those are all prayers. And we can, you know, in the comments, you know, mention the prayers that you love that we didn't mention, right? The prayers that you have a personal devotion to. But I think the last prayer that I think and every single Christian and person in the world knows this prayer, but how many people pray it devoutly? And that is simply amen, right? You know, it's the most simple prayer there possibly is. It's one word and it's become a meme, you know, it's become a amen. All right. Can I get an amen? Right. But it's, it's such a powerful, simple prayer. It's, it is assent to the will of God and the truth of God. In one word, you are putting yourself under and acknowledging the Trinity. I mean, how more simple could prayer get, but how more powerful could it be to completely give yourself to God with one word? It's true. And I remember a, a, um, a pastor that I was listening to a long time ago. He said, you know, amen is like, I believe like you're, you're giving testimony to, I believe, but it, it adds a connotation. Like I am willing to stake my life on this belief. It's your like signature. It it's your it, signature on the affidavit that yes, it is so. Yeah, it is so. Amen. Like I stake my life on this statement. Like, yes. And and I do, I do love that. And and it's a big amen to the show because prayer is a vital necessity of our life. Can I get an amen? Especially for those of you who are watching this right now. Amen, right? Amen. Amen. This we are an amen people. We are people who are willing to say it is true. It is so. I believe and I'm willing to stake my life on it. And it is true. You, my brothers and sisters, I want to just say a big shout out to our patrons, to those who are subscribed on all of our platforms, to all of our followers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, to everybody that makes the Catholic Talk Show what it is. We wouldn't be here without you. And we are here with you. And we are praying for you, as Ryan Shield expressed at the opening of this show. The more that we pray together and for one another, we fulfill God's command of loving neighbor as ourselves. You know, we must love each other with that type of intentionality. And that is how the kingdom is revealed. So we thank you for participating and being a part of this great movement with the Catholic Talk Show family. A big shout out to our patrons and those who support us financially. We would not be able to do this show without you. If you are considering being a participant in the Patreon family, we've got specialized content for you. So go to patreon.com forward slash Catholic talk show today and look at all the different tiers of ways that you could support us. And we have some cool gear to send your way as well to our sponsors, hallow and Catholic monthly. Your support means a great deal to us and to see what you are doing culturally for the Catholic world and people who are searching is quite impressive. Hallow as Ryan Delacroix shared just a minute ago, is the number one app in the app store today for Catholics. It has phenomenal content. Lexia Divina, reflections, music, liturgy of the hours, as we said before. You know, the forms of centering prayer, the great heritage and history of Catholic prayer. This episode is absolutely tied with what Hallow is doing today. If you go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash Hallow, you'll see a great way for you to try this for free. 
So don't miss the opportunity to check that out. And Catholic Monthly, catholicmonth.ly is a great way to participate monthly in the devotional life of the Catholic Church. Right, Ryan Shield? That's right. So with Catholic Monthly, you know, there's so many prayers and traditions and practices of the faith that we no longer, unfortunately, practice in our modern world. A lot of that went to the way side of after Vatican II, but Catholic Monthly helps you rediscover and tap into the great deposit and richness of the faith. You know, it comes in a cardboard box every month, but really it's like getting a treasure chest every month. You are getting a deposit from the treasury of the tradition of the church, and that is priceless. Amen. Um, so every month, you know, you get a new box and it'll have prayer cards and it'll have, you know, a rosary or a scapular or a different devotional. It'll have uh, beautiful artwork. It'll have maybe a shirt, maybe a candle, right? But every month there's a very carefully curated box of items sent to you to help you to grow in your faith and rediscover the deep traditions of the Catholic Church. If you go to catholicmonth.ly right now, you can get your first month's box 50% off. Go check it out. Now, Father, before we go, um, you know, this is one of the things that our, our listeners always ask is that we end every episode in a prayer and a blessing. Um, and we've been getting better at that, but sometimes we're so involved in the conversation that even us Catholic influencer dorks forget to pray. So I don't want to forget that. So can you definitely give everyone a, a, a prayer and a blessing before we close this out? Well, my, my heart is so centered on Jesus's mercy right now. So let us petition his sacred heart, most sacred heart of Jesus, burning for love, for sinful humanity, to turn back to the Father, have mercy on us. Send forth your spirit, O Lord, into the world, and our hearts shall be renewed. You shall take our stony hearts and turn them to hearts of flesh that love and transmit your mercy as we participate in the transformation of the world. Let your kingdom come, almighty God. Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. And may the blessing of almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain with you forever. God bless, and we'll see you next week. Amen.